This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We're going to jump straight into the Word this morning. And I would like you all to just ready yourselves for and open up your hearts. And if you've got a notepad, uh, just Get your notepad ready. If you have your Bibles, get your Bibles ready. We're going to go through this quite quickly. There's quite a bit of scripture that we're going to go through. We've been looking at uh, some patterns in the Old Testament that are revealed in the New Testament, and we've covered quite a bit. We've covered the blood covenant. We've covered uh, sanctification. Um, uh, We've covered the pattern that led to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, Pastor Tom covered... Uh, the, the covenant of Abraham. This morning, uh, I, I want us to look at the pattern of uh, God's house. And the title of the message is Building Houses. In the word of the year in 2022 that Pastor Tom gave us, he said this. He says, Bet is the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet whose pictographic meaning is house. Turn to your neighbor, say house. This symbol has an opening on the left, and some Hebrew scholars say that it represents a window that allows light to shine in, signifying the revelation. It is indicative that which is hidden being exposed. This means that in this season, there's a grace to rearrange houses. Say grace to rearrange houses. According to the pattern and the blueprint of the Lord, starting with our own personal houses, our bodies, which are the temple of the Lord, our families, the church, and even houses or places where we have headship. That is businesses, institutions, as well as the nation of Zimbabwe. I love what Ryan was sharing in terms of the offering when he spoke about our businesses. But I I want you to, to write something in your notebook. And it's a principle. And we're going to weave the message through this principle here today. And the principle is this. The priority you give God's house reveals the condition of your heart. The priority you give God's house reveals the condition of your heart. So let's start off in the Old Testament, like we said, and look at the the pattern or the shadow that is then to be revealed to us in the New Testament. Uh, Moses was instructed on Mount Sinai. Uh, to construct and transport the tabernacle with the Israelites on their journey from uh, Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. After 440 years, Solomon's temple in Jerusalem superseded the dwelling place of God, which was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent, and then Solomon built the temple, as it became known, only 440 years later. The tabernacle was not permanent. It was a temporary solution for God's presence inhabiting his people who were not established. They were wandering through the wilderness towards the promised land he had promised them. They were moving from bondage. It was a temporary house. But we see something that happened before Moses built the tabernacle. Before Moses built the tabernacle, he himself had a had a place called the Tent of Meeting. Now, the Tent of Meeting was a place that Moses only went to. That's because 
the, the, the children of Israel, we find in, in Exodus 32, when Moses was up on Mount Sinai and uh, was, was getting this download from God on his law, his commandments, and how to build the tabernacle, uh, and many other things that God would reveal to them in those 40 days. God says there's a noise going down. You better go down. Your people are making a God down there. So the children of Israel, while Moses was getting a download from God about God bringing his presence to inhabit them, the children of Israel were busy making the golden calf on earth. So Moses comes down, and uh, here they are. They poof, the golden calf has been made. And Moses, the Bible says, that was up in the, for 40 days and 40 nights in, 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 in Mount Sinai. And he had only one person here, Joshua. You need to read the text. Only Joshua is in the presence of God with, with Moses. But the interesting thing is, he then comes down, he rebukes the people. He, you know, they, they, they suffer you know, the plague for their sin. But we then hear the Bible say that Moses had the tent of meeting in Exodus 33. And the tent of meeting, listen to this, the scripture says that Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp. Everyone say outside the camp. Some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone who inquired of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood afar off and worshipped each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but the young aide Joshua, his son, did not leave the tent. Joshua did not leave the tent of meeting. The fact that Moses sent the tent of meeting outside the camp underscored the fact that the people had broken fellowship with God. The tent was set outside the meeting. But Moses himself prioritized the presence of God. So he set up a tent of meeting. But the fact that it was outside the camp, and if anyone wanted to restore fellowship with God, they would have to go back to the tent of meeting outside. But the tent of meeting outside also revealed their hearts which were far from God because they had made a golden calf. So there was a separation. They could not be close. I mean, they were so far and so fearful of the presence of God that they said, you go and speak to God. We will wait over here and then we'll hear what God says to you. Moses prioritized the presence of God, but there was a young man called Joshua. I'm going to speak about him later. Who was separate, who was different from the rest of the camp. Who went up with Moses under the guise of serving Moses was also in the presence of God. In the tent of meeting. And when Moses' his servant left, Joshua remained in the tent. But we, we, we see a pattern here where God himself wanted a relationship with the children of Israel. You see, there, there are some of us who will not take responsibility for our own lives. We say, you go and find out from God. God is afar off. You go and do all the work. 
and then just come and tell us what God says. That's the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart is God is afar off. But God could not leave with his people being afar off. So he gave Moses specific instructions that the tabernacle, the carrier of his presence, was not to be outside of the camp, even though the people's hearts were far off. But it would be to be, the se- to be in the center of the camp. Because God himself desires that he is at the center of our lives. He's at the center of our hearts. Even though we may view him from afar off, he still seeks us out to bring his presence to where we are. You see, Joshua was a different kind of man. While others were running from the presence of God, he was running to the presence of God. And you'd use whatever guise they would be. It was the guise of serving Moses, but his heart was revealed. Because long after serving Moses, when Moses left the presence of God, Joshua stayed in the presence of God. Are there Joshuas here who are passionate about the presence of God? Who will do anything to stay in the presence of God? Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says that had a different spirit. And out of the whole nation of Israel, Moses included, they were the only two that ended, entered the promised land. Is there not something about the characteristic of a man who would go to extreme lengths to be in the presence of God? You see, The tabernacle was a temporary structure. It was in a tent. It was a temporary structure because the people were nomads. They were not established yet. They were moving. They were wandering in the wilderness towards the promised land. They were here today, tomorrow over there. They were nomadic people. And because they viewed themselves as nomadic, They also treated the presence of God as nomadic. They put the presence of God in a tent. Someone else is responsible. Let it be a prophet, a heavenly servant. He must do everything. He that does everything for us is our God. You see, the Bible says that because they treated God's house nomadically, their hearts were ever wandering from God. The Bible says that in Hebrews 3 verse 10, he says, these people I despised because their hearts were ever wandering from me. They were ever straying from me and they did not desire my ways. You see, there's some of us here who view God's presence in a tent. And we live in a tent. We only wander to God when it's convenient, but our heart is never with him. We have wandering hearts. So today we are running with God. Tomorrow we may be running with the nganga. Tomorrow, the next day we're running with the prophet. The next day we're running with a political party for our solutions. God is not the ultimate solution for our lives. God is not the center of our lives. The center of our life is what's convenient, is what gives us the gold. 
So the children of Israel, because they wandered, they looked to the God of their oppressor. The God of the Egyptians was gold. So when they couldn't feel, couldn't touch, couldn't see God, when they couldn't see a sign, they went back to where their heart was, to where they lusted after. They lusted after the God of the Egyptians. While they were slaves, they said, man, if only we had gold like the Egyptians. If only we were as wealthy as the Egyptians. If only we were in positions of power like the Egyptians. They had wandering hearts. So if your God is a God of the tent, it points to a heart that wanders from God. You only serve him out of signs and wonders and what you can see. You see, this shows the children of Israel only pursued him for acts and didn't pursue him for relationship. The Old Testament provides us a shadow of the real thing that God desires. The patterns of the tabernacle paints us to the truth to be revealed through Christ in the New Testament. You see, tabernacle itself means to dwell. It's the place where God's presence dwelt. God instructed that the tabernacle, like I said, should be in the middle of the camp of the Israelites. In the New Testament, the Bible says of Jesus Christ, the word of God became flesh and dwelt where? Amongst them. Jesus is a revelation of the pattern that God was walking his people through in the Old Testament. It was always God's plan, an idea that right at the center of our hearts and all we do is him. That he dwell amongst us. You see, God created the earth, the world as we know it in six days. The earth as it was created had everything pertaining to everything God, man needs to live. All his provisions were there. But can you think about the fact that he took 40 days up in a mountain with Moses to instruct Moses on how, to, how man was to relate with him? Yet most of us today exchange what is more important to God, which is his indwelling presence, his relationship with us, for the six-day provision. We make God's provision or what God's provided for us more important than what's really important to God, my relationship with you. We put weight on the things we can see with our eyes, on the lusts of our mind, the food that we can eat of the earth, the things instead of the kingdom of God and his righteousness and relationship with him. And all these things will be added to us. We go back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve forsook the most important thing which is a relationship with God for temporary pleasure. He says it looked good to eat. That which was made in six days was made for them anyway. But God wanted what was eternal with them, a relationship. That his presence would forever be with them. That his presence would be indwelt in them. God would move to extreme lengths to ensure that his presence, his glory, is in the middle of his people's hearts. So we see this pattern continue. 
that yet the children of Israel are brought in to possess the promised land. They get established. They drive out enemies. God is with them. Things are nice. They, 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 they begin to sow seed and reap a harvest. Man, as Ryan was saying, the business is growing, isn't it? Now they're building barns. They're expanding. Now they can build houses. And they're building houses for themselves. Now, because of their wealth, we now hear they're uh, intermarrying. You now have money. You have a business to afford the lust of your flesh. So while all this was happening, while they were establishing themselves, establishing businesses, vineyards, buying houses, no one thought about prioritizing the presence of God. While they were being established, the presence of God remained in a tent for 400 years. The presence of God remained in a tent until one day a man called David after he's been established as a king. And I want to let you know, this same king that David was, was a result of the lusts of the eye of the people. Because the people had wandering hearts, because they kept God in a tent, and they themselves were nomadic and had wandering hearts, they could not receive the theocracy of God, God's rulership in their lives. They lusted after something much smaller, the government of man. They said, give us a king as the other nations have a king. So now, here's a man, David, who's established as king over Israel. They bring him into a beautiful palace. And David says, oh, far be it from me that I should dwell in a house paneled with cedar. And yet the presence of the Lord remains in a tent. One man out of an entire nation has the revelation to prioritize the presence of God. Just like Joshua, he said, no, 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 no. There's something about the presence of God. Better a day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. So David purposes in his house that I'm going to build the house of the Lord. And Nathan the prophet said, it's a good thing that you have thought about. Go ahead and do what your heart desires. But listen to what God says. Second Samuel, verse 7, from verses 4 to 17, it says, But on that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Should you build my house for my dwelling? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought you and, and the sons of Israel from Egypt. Even to this day, rather, I've been moving around in a tent. Sheesh, when God speaks to you that way, there's a nyaya. That is in a dwelling place. Wherever I've gone with the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? 
Celebration Church, has God spoken to anyone of you saying, why have you not built me a house? God had not done that, but David got it by revelation. God had not spoken to Joshua, but Joshua got it by revelation. Listen to God's response to David. He says, now then, this is what you say to my servant David. This is what the Lord's army say. I myself took you from the pasture, from the following the sheep, to be the leader of my people in Israel. And I have been with you wherever you've gone, and I have eliminated your enemies from you. I'll also make a great name for you, like the names of the great men that are on the earth. I will establish a place for my people Israel. I will plant them and they will live in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will the malicious people oppress them anymore. Even for, from this day I appointed judges over my people and I'll give you rest from your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. Underline that in your Bible. The Lord himself says, because David, you've had the thought to prioritize my house. You've had the thought to prioritize my presence. You've had the thought of understanding the value of my presence. I myself will build a house for you. What you have purpose in your heart to do for me on the earth, I will do for you out of heaven. You will build me a house with your hands on earth. I will build you an eternal house with my hand out of the pattern of heaven. Wow. Wow. What revelation can do. When your days are finished and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you and you will come and you will establish the kingdom. He shall build a house in my name and I will establish your throne and kingdom forever. And he will be a son to me. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him with the rod and men with the strokes and of the son of men. But my favor shall not depart from him as I, have, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these things and words. And all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. You see, David was known as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart will build the house of God. This is a, a shadow of Christ to come. Because he was a man who said, my food is to do only my, the will of my father. A man who had a heart after his father. That would build his church. The Bible says that to David. You are not the one that's going to build it. But your son shall build the temple. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the one that builds his church. Old Testament shadow, New Testament revelation. Why? It's because... The, the, the Bible says of David, your, heart, your hands are full of blood. You're a man of war. But I'll raise up from you a son, a, a prince of peace. And the prince of peace will build my temple. 
The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, whose father made provision for him to build his church. In this nation, we have men of war who think they can build our nation. It will take sons of peace. It will take sons of peace. It will take sons of peace. Sons whose hands are free of blood. Because in the New Testament revelation, it was not the blood of man that brought us peace. It was the blood of Christ himself. The son of peace, the prince of peace that brought us peace. So this is a pattern that God is revealing. But here's the danger. The danger is this. The Bible did say, and Solomon himself in 1 Kings said, the Lord spoke to me that I should build the temple that he spoke to my father David according to the pattern that he reveals to me. And that God himself would say to Solomon, I will be with you. As long as you follow my ways, I will be with you. Because I established a covenant with your father David that I would be with him and establish his name forever. Because he's exalted and thought highly of my name. Thought highly of my presence. Because he he's wanted to establish my kingdom on the earth, I'll give him a kingdom that is everlasting. So Jesus himself, the son of God, came through the lineage of David. Are there any Davids here that have a heart after God's own, uh, after God's own heart? Who God will establish a covenant that is way beyond what you can expect because your covenant and your desire for what God desires gives him access to move on the earth. David's heart, and we all wonder, David was not a righteous man. He was not, but why would God say he had a heart after God's own heart? Could it be that this man had revelation now way ahead of his time? Could it be that this man had the revelation that Christ spoke of, that David prioritized his kingdom first, his righteousness, and all these things would be added to him? Could it be that, David would, that God would say to David, that favor will never depart your house, that this is the same language that he used on his son Jesus Christ, that wisdom, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor, with God and with man. Could it be that David tapped into an anointing way before his time because of his heart that was after God that revealed the Son of God in him and the Son of God affords us grace outside of our sinfulness. For it is by grace that you and I have been accepted through faith. Could it be that David's heart pointed to a faith that was way before his time? You don't need to be like everyone else. You can have a heart that is after God that will help you access things that are way before your time. When you prioritize God's house, when you prioritize building what God's building, when you prioritize building God's house, God will build your house. Because God's looking for an access through the earth. But hey, yes, the favor was upon Solomon. And yeah, the temple replaced the tent in the sense that they built a temple 
of the house of stone, like Zimbabwe, the house of stone. And the presence of God was now in a house of stone. But the house of stone also represented their heart. Their hearts became hard. Because after, there's a principle that we learn in MIM. It says the day after victory is more important and more dangerous than the day before battle. Because after victory, you can relax. In peacetime, you can relax. And then you open, your guard is down and you can open yourself up to enemy. So when God had given them peace and they had built the temple and there was peace all around, you see, they began to live conveniently. And the comforts of the world began to speak for them. The lusts of the flesh began to speak for them. The, the, the peace that God had given them exposed their true heart's desires. That after Solomon had been given peace, after he spent seven years building the, the God's house, and because he was at peace and he had the favor of God, he misused the favor of God to take 13 years to build his own house. Not only that, Solomon, because of God's favor, became so wealthy, he could afford the lusts of his flesh. A thousand women. All of a sudden now, there are options to God. He begins to, begins to serve other gods. And this rebellious, hard-heartedness of the children of Israel, where the presence of God was associated with the house of stone, revealed a house of stone in their own hearts. Because God's over there in that house, but not over here in my heart. And now, they begin to live by their comforts. They begin to live by their conveniences. They begin to protect. And then we find in Haggai, slowly, slowly, their hearts begin to be given to their comforts. Because now, in peacetime, they're busy expanding their businesses, building their houses. And God comes and says, you are building your own houses while the house of the Lord remains in ruin. You've given yourself to the lust of your flesh and ignoring and prioritizing my presence. My house lies in ruins while you live by your comforts and conveniences. And keep saying, the Lord has blessed us. We are the blessed of the Lord. The favor of the Lord is upon us. But tomorrow, when Baal offers a different kind of convenience, you will bribe, you will live like Baal lives. No problem. Why? Because you have a heart of stone. Like the stone building you've built for God. So Ezekiel prophesies in the midst of all this crisis. Ezekiel comes and prophesies and he says this. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 to 27. He says, I'll give you new hearts and I'll put a new spirit within you. 
I'll take out the house of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and, I'll, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This is where God is leading us to in the New Testament revelation. Where we, be, we become the house of the Lord. Not tents, not buildings, but flesh. Christ, hidden in Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You see, Jesus in John 2, they, they, they used to take pride in their temple and its finishings and all these things. Just like now, we have many Christians that take pride in their churches, in denominations. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Roman Catholic because it's a beautiful cathedral. Are you a Christian? Yes, I go to celebration center. No. You're a Christian because you have a relationship with God through Christ. Oh, I'm a Methodist. I'm, no. That's a heart of stone. That's a heart where you see God through a building. So Jesus comes to the house of the Lord and he finds people are only doing in the house of the Lord what is really in their hearts. They are trading in the house of the Lord. Merchandising in the house of the Lord. So Jesus comes with a whip. Starts to shwapura, whipping, causes chaos in the house of the Lord. Whipping people. The disciples see this and they say the zeal of the house of the Lord has consumed him. As was spoken of David, they say now we're seeing the manifestation of the zeal of the house of the Lord. Jesus is crazy. He's saying you guys have turned the house of the Lord, the house of prayer into a house of merchandise, into a house of trading. Why? Because trading and business is in your hearts. So you bring it to the house of the Lord. As Ryan was mentioning, no, 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 no. You're interested in building your own business. You're interested. So you're, we're here in church to look for the next connection, the next deal. You're here dealing. Jesus comes and says, I hate that spirit. You've turned my house into a trading place because you've got trading in your hearts. You are, you are, you are stone cold towards the, the, the presence of God. And you're hot cold towards the presence of the world. So you've brought the world into my house. The Pharisees say to Jesus, whoa, 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 why are you doing this? Give us a sign that what, we're, what you're doing is wrong. And he says, you wicked and adulterous generation, always seeking for a sign. You are like the children of Israel who have wandering hearts. You are like the children of Israel who have hard-hearted hearts. They don't want a relationship with God. They want acts. They want to see a sign. They want a prophet to prophesy their number. They want a witch doctor to go, poof, there it is. Masaramus. And then you say, the Saramusi one is our, is our God. He says, you adulterous generation. Adultery means you have another husband, not God. Christ is not your husband. It means money or whatever it is that has you. Is your, you are adulterous. You have a boyfriend that you hide 
that you're keeping in secret. And you come to the house of the Lord and you say, oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, you're mine. He says, your heart is far from me. It is stone cold. Jesus says, you will not be given a sign. Except the sign of Jonah. What is that sign? He says, I'll destroy the temple. And in three days, I'll raise it again. They say, what? Do you know that this temple is made with the cornerstone? It was built over 46 years. Who are you to say you can tear it up and build it in three days? He says, no. You have missed it. It's not a cornerstone of stone. I am the cornerstone that I built. He says, the Bible says that he was speaking of himself, the temple that would die and be raised again. So the, the revelation takes us from tents to buildings to Christ himself being the temple of God. And you and I, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, that you and I are members of Christ's body. That as now Christ has become the temple of God, so are we in Christ the temple of God. He has taken the, the heart of stone away and put his spirit in us that now we have a heart of flesh after him. So the Bible says that now, don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, is the temple of God, that God no longer dwells in tents, God no longer dwells in buildings, but through Christ, God now dwells in you. That you are holy as he is holy. That you are not your own, but you are bought at a price. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that has come from God. That you're not own, but Christ purchased you with his own blood. Not the blood of man, but the blood of God himself. You are the temple of the living God. God so desired and put an importance on his presence. He's moved it from tents where your heart wanders to, to from buildings where your heart becomes cold and stone cold towards him to God now dwells in you. Dwells in your flesh, in your very being. Has given that you and I are one with God. The Bible says that don't you know that that which you unite your body with, you are one with. So you can no longer give your body to sexual immorality because you become one with sexual immorality. To worldly desires because you become one with worldly desires. But now that you are united with Christ, now that you are one with Christ, you are one with Him by the Spirit. God so desires that His presence be with us. He gave His own life to put His presence in you through Christ Jesus. So that you and I may be consumed. The zeal of the house of the Lord may consume us. The condition of God's hearts, of God's house, reveals the condition of his, the hearts of his people. So in this church, we make no apologies. No apologies of giving every single one of us opportunities to align our hearts with what God's doing. So there can be Joshua's here that see beyond their time. 
that have a passion for God's presence, that they can be Davids here, whose heart is knit with God's heart, that can access the grace of God before its time. Why? They have the zeal for the house of the Lord. They have a zeal for the house of the Lord. Pastor Fungai spoke on faith. This cannot be activated outside of faith. You cannot access this outside of faith. You see, if you will not willingly use your merchandise to build the house of God, your merchandise will have you and you will try and merchandise the house of God. It says you cannot serve God and mammon. You either love one and hate the other. So in this church, there will always be opportunity for you and I to build God's house, to build the kingdom. For the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Most of us are living for what God created in six days. In exchange of what God created for us eternally, a relationship with Him. What He created in six days, He created to serve you anyway. Now we are serving it. So will you give your heart wholly to God? Is a question this morning. Will you serve Him willingly? Will you give your heart to Him? Will you be like those young men who saw way beyond their time, aligned themselves with what God was doing, even though it couldn't be seen with the eye there and then, and tapped into something that would bring them into the promised land. Here's my question. Is God building your house or are you? The only way that exchange happens is on earth you build God's house. And he accesses the promises of heaven to build your house here on earth. So this morning, I want to challenge us as a church to get our priorities right. I can see after the lockdown, there is already lethargy in terms of this church, what you see here was built by ordinary Zimbabweans. And if you speak to each and every one of them, as they aligned themselves with what God was doing when we were building the celebration center, they began to see the hand of God move on their behalf in ways that were not seen before. Businesses were birthed. Families were restored. Marriages set in order. As 
the people were willing and aligned themselves with what God was doing, they began to see God move on their behalf in a way of favor in the marketplace, in their homes, in their lives, and everything they laid their hand to. That pattern has not changed. God wants you and I's heart. He wants to dwell. His presence to be indwelling in us, to abide in us as we abide in Him. So I want to challenge us. As we head towards action, can we have a different kind of spirit like Joshua and Caleb had? A spirit that prioritizes the presence of God, that prioritizes the house of God, that prioritizes what God's doing. We have an opportunity and we always present opportunities. It's called entering the promise. Now sometimes we say to you it's an action pledge. That's not what it is. What this is, is an opportunity for you to step out in faith. An opportunity to align your heart with what God's doing. And there are promises there. You know, God brought to remembrance. The last time we did this before COVID, for me, was in 2019. Just the action of 2019. My wife and I stretched ourselves. It was crazy. One of the promises in that time was divine health. That was one of the promises. None of us knew that COVID was coming. But it was crazy when we spoke with my wife and said, this is the seed that we sense God saying we should plant. And there were promises there that we were believing God for. We didn't know how God would do it. All we did was step out in faith and say, God, we believe you. What happened afterwards is nothing short of a miracle. You don't know what's on the other side of stepping out in faith. David didn't know there was an everlasting covenant. There was a promise of Jesus coming through his lineage. Joshua didn't know that on the other side of staying in the presence of God was you'd be the only one selected with Caleb to go into the promised land. What are you standing in the way of? 2020 was an incredible year. Most of you have heard my testimony either from Pastor Bonnie, but I used to stand before you here unhealthy. And you all knew it. You couldn't hide my unhealth. But this is nothing short of a miracle. I had no idea that on the other side of stepping out in faith, God was weaving things through grace for me to become who I ought to be in Him. 2020, while companies were closing down, there's a business my wife and I are part of. It thrived. While everyone was on lockdown, I can't begin to explain how much the asset base grew. New opportunities, as Ryan was talking about, began to open up. We didn't know that was on the other side. That God was giving opportunity on this side to sustain us through a crisis on the other side by activating our faith today. Faith is now, not tomorrow. 
You activate your faith now for what God promises. That's already in heaven to bring it into the now realm. So I know the power of connecting and aligning your heart with what God's doing. It's a divine exchange. Build my house with your hand here and I will build your house with my hand from heaven. So I want to give us an opportunity as we close. Ushers, if you could stand. If you've not yet committed yourself to step out in faith as we head towards action, I want you to consider doing that. I want you to get a card that helps us enter into his promises with all those promises there. Say, Pastor, that's me. This is not a gimmick. I've lived this. I know it's real. I've heard testimonies of others who've done this. That's why we give you the opportunity. Paul says, it's not that you didn't have the desire, but you lacked the opportunity because it was not made known to you. We're giving you the opportunity. Some of you may know what God's asking you to do now. Some of you, I'm hoping as you take it home and you prayerfully consider the devil doesn't steal it away from you. But I'm asking us to go into action fully, full of faith and expect God encounters as we enter into God's promises. So if you need a card right now, raise your hand and have the usher serve you. We're going to have buckets at the door for you to collect it. Do this for you. Do this for your family. Do this for your business. Do this for whatever you sense God has you lay your hand to. Some of you are believing for restored marriages. It's your time to step out in faith now. Some of you are believing for restored businesses. It's time to step out in faith now. Some of you are believing for restored lives. It's time to step out in faith now. Restored health. It's time to step out in faith now. Not tomorrow. Now. Prayerfully consider what God would have you do. Align your heart with what God's doing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to ask our pastors who are here to please come to the front. For those of you online, you are not left out. You, there are numbers there that you can get in touch with. And I think they'll probably put an email address. If you want to participate, step out in faith as well. Call the number there or send an email and say, I want to become a part of it. And someone from our team will get in touch with you. God bless you. We'll catch you at our next service next week. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.